This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. So glad you are here. If we've not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kelly. My husband, Lane, and I have the honor of pastoring the best church in town. So we're glad you are here. We love our fellow neighbors, but we're glad you are here today. We're in part two of a series called Mind Monsters, where we're talking about those things that will come for you, and they will look to eat you alive if you let them. So we had an amazing foundational kind of set the tone message last week and God did amazing things in our response time. We, went, we end every service with a response time where we have an opportunity to respond to the word that we hear. And so we're just praying that God continues to do what he started last week. So my goal today is just to bring the next building block of what was started. And so if you are here for the first time, you received a worship guide when you came in. Actually, all of you received a worship guide. And in that worship guide, you'll find upcoming events, ways that you can give. Um, and then also there's a connection card. And so if you're here for the first time, let us know. And there are going to be some team members at the back of the worship center. And on your way out, you can just drop that connection card in there. That's just so we can come alongside you, connect with you because of the card, connection card. Just connect with you. Uh, as you take your next step in your faith, in your walk with Jesus, we promise not to spam you or sell your information to Google. They already got you. They already know your favorite food, your favorite restaurants, where you're going. I'm not, so we just want to connect with you to help you walk with Jesus. And also there's a place on there for prayer requests. So if there's any way we can come alongside you in prayer, let us know. Because we do take those very seriously. We do gather all of those cards and we pray over them. Our prayer team prays over them. So be sure you grab one of those worship guides when you come in. So y'all ready to jump into Mind Monsters Part 2? Y'all ready to slay some dragons today? Ready to fight some monsters? Well, we've got good news for us in God's Word today, and I'm excited to share with you one of my favorite Bible stories. One of my favorite Bible stories. I'm excited to introduce you to one of my uh, friends in the Bible. We'll get into that in a moment. So as we're talking about mind monsters, we're talking about those, those negative thoughts, those feelings that feed uh, our insecurity. They come to us with anxiety, with fear, with worry. And if we don't get God's perspective on these things, these monsters seek to consume us. And I know a lot of us hear the word anxiety a lot. Maybe it's even part of your reality. And, and there, was, there was a time most of my life until a few years ago that I would have been like, I don't understand what everybody's talking about with this anxiety stuff. And then a few years ago, that shifted for me. And then I understood what everybody has kind of been struggling with. And, and really, I realized that I've struggled with it before. It just was manifest differently in my life. Maybe it, it was manifest in busyness or anger or just being distracted. And then there was a time a few years ago where I felt this heaviness. That it was like weighing in on my chest. And like I, I felt like I couldn't really catch my breath. And I had friends around me, letting people in, like, hey, like, this is a tough season. Landon knew, was talking with a counselor, but just this overwhelming sense of, like, a weight on my chest. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you felt that way before, too. And maybe not you. Maybe it's someone in your house. Maybe it's a parent, a child, maybe a spouse. But chances are you have also had that feeling before where things are just weighing in on you. And as a Christian, there's this feeling sometimes that we shouldn't be feeling this way. And you go to people for help and let them know how you're feeling, and then they use scripture against you like this great scripture in Philippians 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And you're like, you know what? I would rather punch somebody in the face right now than to rejoice in the Lord. And then the scripture actually repeats itself. It says, again, I say rejoice. I didn't want to do it the first time. Let me tell you, I'm not ready to do it a second time. So the scripture continues. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. The last thing you want to hear when you're having anxious feelings is that the Bible says don't be anxious about anything. You're like, anything? Anything. Like, don't be anxious about anything. Well, it's like you have so much to be grateful for. And then there's feelings of guilt for the heaviness that you feel. 
I remember feeling that way. Like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm healthy. I have all my needs met. I have a car to drive. If that breaks down, I'll take Landon's car. My kids are healthy. Like, why do I feel this way? I, sh- I shouldn't be feeling this way. I, I should be rejoicing. And then, and then there's a feeling where I felt like something was wrong with me. That I, was, I had this sense of brokenness. Like, I, I, feel, I, I feel broken. Why do I feel this way? Why can't I just get over it? A heaviness. And then when that scripture comes and, and, and we hear things like, just give it to God. Give it to God. Give it to God. I know people who make God a three-syllable word. I know them. They hosted our wedding showers. <laughs> give it to God. You're like, I, I, I want to. I really want to give it to God. Like, do I, is it in my pocket? Do I? I mean, like, you want me to carry a child up here? Should I drag my husband up here? Not my husband. I'm talking, like, from y'all. Do you want me to bring my boss in? you want me to, like, lay my debit cards down? Like, we're going outside to pray over my car. Like, how do I give it to God? I want to give it to him. I want to give it all to him. I don't know what that means. And it doesn't actually help you. When people use these scriptures in these moments, it can leave you feeling hurt, defeated, deflated, honestly kind of angry. You even know you could be mad at the word of God until somebody's like, rejoice in the Lord. And you're like, don't cross me right now. Don't be anxious about anything. Anything? Well, bills are piling up. There's marriage tension. Crazy boss. Relational issues. Maybe there's a health diagnosis. Inflation. You see how much a gallon of milk costs? It's insane. Eggs. Let's talk about eggs. Y'all remember when eggs were crazy? Eggs got so high, y'all went out and bought chickens. Y'all bought chickens. You add it to your stress. You're like, I'm going to take care of this egg price problem right now. I'm going to buy my own chickens only to find out you're no Joanna Gaines. You're no Joanna Gaines. You better send them chickens back. I don't care how high eggs ever get. I'm not going to buy me some chickens. I'm just going to go to the grocery store. I will get a second job. I will hire out my children, but I am not buying no chickens. So I'd say we all have things to be anxious about. And if you say I have things to be anxious about, you're not wrong. And you're not alone. There are things that we have to be anxious about. I wish that we could stop talking about 2020. I really do. I wish that we could stop. But it marked us. We went through some things together in that time. It marked us. And like the world is different now than it was before. So just with that in mind, 2019, here's a statistic. Pre-2020, pre-before the world got cray-cray turned up. So in 2019, Two out of three Americans would say that they were anxious or extremely anxious before all the things went wild. Two out of three were anxious or very anxious. And since the pandemic, it has just gotten worse. The things that you were anxious about pre-pandemic, it's like everything just got turned up and it's more. And the things that I have read and studied on this shows us that the younger generation, young adults, teenagers, struggle with anxiety even more, even more. Anxiety is the monster we're talking about today. It's a complex issue. We could talk about it from a variety of angles and aspects. The internet, the world has a lot to say about it. Our aim in this series is to bring a spiritual perspective to it to be a pastoral voice in your life as you struggle with these issues, to look at what God's word says about it. There, there, there's an anxiety spectrum, really. So there's anxiety from, I've got a test coming up. I've got a job interview coming up. I'm going to be meeting with a counselor to pick my courses for the next year. Like there's anxiety around that where maybe it's occasional to where maybe you're kind of in the middle. You're like, more times than not, but like, I'm okay. I'm all right. And then there's like debilitating anxiety where you feel the heaviness on your chest, your heart starts racing, you start sweating, you feel the, like it's almost all the time. So there's a spectrum of anxiety that we could look at and talk about. Here's, a, here's another statistic for us. 91% of high school and college students report consistent and significant levels of anxiety associated with stress. 91%. 
91%. I know we have a tendency as adults. I'm going to talk to the old people. Old people in the house. Look, the internet tells me that I'm a geriatric millennial. That's what they tell me. And I think it's rude. But the shoe fits, so I'm going to wear it. So as a geriatric millennial, I know folks like me and older would say, oh, kids are kids. We all face the same problems. I'm going to tell you, that's not true anymore. Nobody asked me when I was a kid if I was a boy or a girl what I felt like. Nobody asked me that. Nobody was constantly talking about anxiety, which would give me anxiety about talking about anxiety all the time. It's just not the same. Young people today face a particular set of problems that have never been faced by young people Ever. 91% of them have feelings of anxiety. So these are complex issues. It's likely you need professional help. And I would encourage you to do that, to be honest. Not rude, to be honest. Because these things are deep in us. And we need deep and profound and real healing from it. But today we're going to look at um, a spiritual perspective of it. So wherever you are on the anxiety spectrum. Occasional, sometimes, debilitating. I want you to know this, and it's that God cares about you. God cares for you. God cares where your struggle is. God cares where there's anxiety, either in you or somebody in your home. God deeply cares. My message title for today, I know some of y'all like titles. You're taking notes. You're like, give me a title, sis. It's Heal My Anxious Mind. So let's just pray that over us, and then we're going to jump into my favorite Bible story today. Lord, I ask that you heal our minds today. God, we commit our minds to you. God, our hearts are open to your word. God, I pray a a healing power in the room this morning. God, would you heal our minds, Lord, where there's anxiety that's just running rampant in our hearts and our minds. Lord, we ask for you to be our ultimate healer this morning. God, would you heal our minds? Would you bring peace to us? Lord, for those who have lived anxiously for so long, they feel exhausted. Lord, would today be a day of reprieve? Would today be a day of rest for their minds and their souls? In Jesus' name, would you heal our anxious mind? Amen. Amen. We see a powerful example of somebody who was feeling surrounded on all sides and anxious, and we're going to look at what we can learn from the story today. So we're in Second Chronicles chapter 20, this awesome story of a guy named Jehoshaphat. Say Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. What'd y'all call me? <laughs> we just got started calling me names. Jehoshaphat. He was the fourth king of Judah. He was a good and godly king. Not all kings were good. Jehoshaphat was a good guy. He was a good and godly king leading a godly nation. I want to just say that because sometimes just walking with God doesn't exempt you from attack. You can do things right and walk with God and be godly, and you're still going to face seasons of attack in your life. So we're just going to jump in. Verse 1, it says this. It says, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them, some of the Meunites. Worst of all, y'all, the mosquito bites. They're the worst. Came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat. So here's the report. You got these three tribes coming, and they come to Jehoshaphat, who's the king, and they say, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom. They're coming from beyond the sea, and they're getting closer. There's these three tribes. They're closing in on him. So there's three different nations, not one, not two, three. And it's just too much to bear. And I think this story really illustrates the very reason why so many of us are battling with anxiety today. Because we can handle the one, we can handle the boss, we can handle the kids, we can handle the relationship, we can handle the health. But a lot of times it's that there's so many things, so many things going on. And, and, and it's, it's that we can do the one, maybe the two, but we're surrounded by things that are attacking us. And this is where Jehoshaphat finds himself. When we know that the younger generation is also the most anxious, it's interesting to know that they are also the most educated. Shout out to my young people. Congratulations. Most educated. So it's the most anxious and the most educated with the least clear path for what they would call success. So you've got an overeducated, underemployed group of people that feel like they're 
falling behind with inflation going crazy. They feel like they cannot afford to buy a home, so they postpone buying a home. They feel like they can't afford to get married, so they, they postpone marriage. They feel like they can't start a family, so they postpone starting a family, and they feel like they're falling further and further behind. So how in the world are they ever going to catch up? And then our children are overwhelmed with anxiety. Imagine growing up, again, geriatric millennial here. I can imagine growing up with constant surveillance. Constant surveillance. Like back in the day, they had to catch you and then drag you home and tell on you. And I didn't get caught. <laughs> I didn't get caught with my shenanigans. But now everybody knows everything. There's just constant surveillance. I am glad that in 1998, we got to go through our weird middle school phase and nobody could post it online. I didn't jump on the bandwagon, but you girls did. I saw you with your blue mascara showing up to junior high. But nobody knew. You got to go through your awkward phase, and nobody had to know about it. Kids today have parents that, that act as their own reality TV director, posting their life constantly, every mistake online, potty training online. Like kids no longer have the freedom to make mistakes without it being posted online. I know I've been guilty of that too. Because kids are funny. They give great content. They do. It's hard. It's hard. And the way the social media plays into the anxiety that, that kids feel is, is even more intense with girls. I suffer from a condition called FOMO. You may too. Fear of missing out. If there's a party going on, I want to be invited. I may decline, but I at least want to be invited. I want to, the right to refuse the party. I want to know, like, when I hear it going on, I could have been there, but I didn't want to. I chose my pajamas instead. So there's FOMO. But here's a new word for you, FOBLO, fear of being left out. And social media is used as a tool of social aggression where, for example, take a group of girls where they all got together and they'll take a picture together with the squad and then post it to let somebody else know not only were you not here, but you were not invited. You were left out on purpose. This form of social aggression and just causes so much anxiety for young people today. I don't know about you, but I felt that as an adult. I was like, am I still a middle school girl? Maybe on some days. But we, we feel that also. So it's the multiple pressure points, the car breaking, the boss, the health issues. It, it can be multiple pressure points. And here's what I want us to first look at today. It's that anxiety is not a sin. It's a symptom. Anxiety is not a sin. We see a moment in the Bible where Jesus is on his way to die on the cross. He knows that he's about to partake of this cup of suffering. And he, he stops in a garden and he's praying and he's praying. And he's, there's anguish and there's agony. And he asks the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times in his anguish, in his agony, God, please take this cup of suffering from, from me. If there's any other way, God, I'll do it any other way. There was great and deep, profound anxiety that he was feeling in that moment to the point to where scripture says that his sweat was like drops of blood. Anxiety is not a sin, it's a symptom. When, a, when a, a light shows up on your car, it's a signal that it's time to do something. For most people, most of you, normal people, when you drive a car, a light comes on, you do something about it. For me, I just figure Landon will see it eventually. <laughs> and it's his fault. Don't feel bad for him. It's his fault. We, we were high school sweethearts. And so uh, I had a car one time. Anybody drive like junker cars out there? I had a car one time. The power steering pump went out. So I tapped a lot of cars in the high school parking lot. I'm not going to lie. Like I would try. I would go slow. And I'm like, we're going to steer wheel. We're going to do it. Like, I just figured this is how life is. This is how I drive cars now. Like never thought to be like, hey, something's wrong with my car. Somebody should help me. No, I just keep driving it and tapping the cars around me because I can't turn fast enough. And then one day, my high school boyfriend, Landon, just to be clear, shows up with a box. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I got you a power steering pump. And I was like, I think I will marry you. <laughs> and then from then on, I don't look at lights in cars. And I was raised, like my dad tried to teach me. He did, he, he tried. Shout out to the dads that try to teach daughters things. Please keep doing it. But it was just words to me, like a lot of them. And I was not interested. I couldn't follow. And then I was raised by a single mom. And my grandma was single. My aunt was single. Strong female women around me that did all their own car stuff. And still, I'm like, nah, I don't think I will. 
And now it's like, hey, Lyndon will get the car. He'll see it eventually, and he'll fix it. He's like, how long has this light been on? I was like, there's a light on? Like, I don't pay attention. You know. But when a light comes on in your car, you notice it. I hope. I try. But when the light comes on, it's not that, hey, the, that I did something wrong to the car. It's a signal that something is wrong with the car. When the light comes on in the car, it's not like, well, this car is broken. I'm getting rid of it. You don't just get rid of it. It's not the end of that car's life. We take it to a mechanic. It's a signal. It's a, it's a sign that there's a, something that needs attention. So anxiety in our lives is a signal, it's a, it's a sign to us that something in our lives needs attention, that we need to do something. It's alerting us that there are three things we need to do. The first thing is that it's time to pray. When you're feeling anxiety and those feelings start to come over you, it's not a sin, it's a signal. It's alerting you. It's time to pray. I hope that my kids always know they can call me for something. But my first question always, if you call me and you're having a bad day, and friends, I want to tell you, when your friends call you, this is our first question. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Because when we're feeling these things, it's a signal that we first need to pray. Let's look at what Jehoshaphat does when he is getting attacked. So three armies are coming in on him. Look at what it says in verse 3. It says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. And we're going to see later when he's praying, like, it says afraid here, but there was this deep anxiety that he was feeling. It says he was afraid, and he set his face to shout at church, seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. By the way, if you were here last Sunday, I've mentioned an amazing time of ministry up here. And I didn't know this until after church, but ending that day, the seven days prior, we had a group of men that had been on a water-only fast on behalf of church people and responding to God's word. And I believe that a lot of what happened last Sunday was fruit from a group of people fasting on behalf of our response time. So here's Jehoshaphat. He was afraid, and yet he set his face to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast, and it says in verse 4, And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. Seeking help from the Lord. It says, from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So here he is terrified. He seeks the Lord in prayer, and he declares a fast. We're starting a season coming up that we call 21 Days of Prayer, where we, for 21 days, for three weeks, there are certain prayer focuses and scriptures, and, and we are on the Church Center app, which you can find information for. You can find us on that app. And there's a group, and there's going to be, like, devotionals and verses and prayer points shared on there. And Wednesday mornings and Saturday mornings, we're actually going to meet out at the land that the church owns that we're going to put a building on. And we're going to walk around, and we're going to pray. We're going to throw seed out there and, and just declare the goodness of God. And we're going to let faith in us stir and rise. And for 21 days, seeking God. And I'm telling you that now so you can begin to think about how you could be a part of that. I think for a lot of us, even if we prayed half of those days... Well, that's probably a 100% increase than maybe the days that we have prayed before. Maybe a 70% increase. But what if for 21 days we set, set our mind to saying, I'm going to pray for 21 days. And I love this season because it's like I'm coming out of vacation funk. I'm coming out of summer funk. And the kids are back in school and we're getting back into good rhythms. Let's make prayer part of that rhythm for us. So we're going to look at how Jehoshaphat prayed. So he's got these enemies coming in on him. And he's feeling this anxiety. He prays. Here's what he says. I want you to feel his pain as he's praying this. He says, Oh Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they've lived in it, and they've built for you a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, you will hear and save. I love the heart posture of Jehoshaphat here. He's saying, hey, this is our history. These are the things that you've done. These are the decisions we've made is that your name is going to be said in this house. And it doesn't matter what enemies come, what destruction we face, whatever happens, we are going to declare your name. 
And he says, but I believe that you're going to hear and save. So here I go. Verse 10, he says, And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by. In other words, he's saying, we had a chance, God. You didn't let us. And how do they reward us? This is how they reward us. By coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great army that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. So you can pray fancy like Jehoshaphat. Oh God, the God of our ancestors. You can get historical with God. You do all the things. Or you can pray like I often pray. Help. Help God. Help. I've got this going on, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, and this, and and God, I need your help. And I love the last part here. He's like, I'm powerless. I can't do anything about any of these things. I am utterly powerless in all of these situations. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. They're coming in on every side. I am feeling surrounded. I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. My brother was at the house yesterday picking up my nephew, and y'all may know him. He's around here every now and then. He's a big country dude. And Kaylin was trying to tell him about how she water skied for five seconds this summer. And then Landon was like, yeah, and then she looked down, and then she fell. And my brother says, and I wanted to share it with some wisdom with you today. He said it. He goes, you got to keep your eyes up. He goes, where your eyes go, your body follows. He's like, riding a bike, you got to look up. Because if you look down, you're going to fall. Where your eyes go, your body follows. I was like, preach, Justin. Like, where our eyes go, we're going to follow. Where our eyes go, our mind is fixed. Where our eyes go, our mind is fixed. Our heart follows, and our body's going to follow suit. So, church, I want to encourage you today that whatever is surrounding you, whatever is pressing in on you, to keep your eyes on God. You can say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust you. God, my eyes are on you. I don't really know which direction I'm supposed to go with all of these situations, but my eyes are fixed on you. We declare it in prayer with God. Because as Jehoshaphat said, he's going to hear your cries and he will save you. My eyes are on you. That's, that's the mantra. My eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. There's a lot we can look at. There's a lot of sideways energy that we can give our eyes to, but my eyes are on you. There's a, she's pretty famous, author, psychologist. Her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She wrote a book called Switch On Your Brain. She has a website, and this is what her website says. I don't even know if I can pronounce these words, to be honest. Um, this is, she's like really legit. It says she is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology and a BSc logopedics. Y'all can correct me on that later. Specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. She's smart. I don't know what all that means. I'm going to be honest. I don't know. But I know that she knows her stuff. I love Dr. Caroline Leaf. Um, we're Instagram friends, and so I feel like I know her. Um, I watch her videos. She's like my remote counselor, basically. But um, she has discovered this in her research. She says that it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. 12 minutes a day over an eight-week period can literally change your brain. So when we talk about renewing our mind in Christ, this is how we do that. How do we give it to God? This is how you pray. When you're feeling anxiety, it's a signal, it's an alert that it's time to pray. It literally changes your mind. Our brains are what is called, there's neuroplasticity within our brain, which means it's not a fixed thing. Our brain is constantly making new connections, new pathways, new routes, and we're able to change our brain. Studies show that uh, meditation and silence and solitude can heal the brain from trauma. So science is showing us what God's word has always said to us. Last week we looked at a verse that talked about my mind is fixed. If we can fix our mind on things of God. 
So what if we did spend 12 minutes a day in prayer? How could we change our mind? How could we literally reroute and rewire our brains? 12 minutes of prayer a day. I also heard Dr. Caroline Leaf one time in one of our conversations over the internet where she didn't know I exist. She said that we don't go eight minutes without an, un, without an uninterrupted thought. And I was like, bet. And then, so I set my timer to just like meditate, be with God. I was like, I'm gonna do it for eight minutes. Uh, it's really difficult. And it takes a lot of time to work those muscles. So start small and then add up over time. But it was much more difficult than I expected. And then this new study shows that it's 12 minutes of prayer over an eight-week period. And I would actually encourage you to do that. It might sound silly, but set a timer, like have a goal. And if your mind wanders, don't beat yourself up. I used to do that. I would quote Jesus to myself, can you not pray for one hour? Like you said to the disciples, can you not? I'm like, I can't. (laughs) And now over time, I've learned like when my mind wanders in prayer, it's just because I'm a human. So now when my mind wanders, I just acknowledge my humanity and thank God for that. And I bring my thoughts back to Christ. And finish that prayer time. So you don't have to beat yourself up or just bring it back. It's like, I got six more minutes on this timer. God, we're going to do this. Like, I'm human. My mind wandered, but my mind is on you. And you can continue that prayer time with God. We have this part of our brain called the amygdala. And it's the part of our brain that alerts us that there's danger. This is a good thing. So, like, if you're out on a hike and you hear something, your brain's not going to be like, oh, it's probably a cute bunny. No, your brain's like, this is probably a cougar. I'm probably about to die, and I need a rock, and I need a big stick. That's what the amygdala does for us. So it's a good thing. But the problem starts when we dwell on that alarm. The problem starts when we start to dwell on what the problem could be. So the word most often used in the Bible that describes anxiety is the word marino. And it means this. It means dwelling on or pondering on fearful or anxious thoughts. And when we dwell on it, when we think on the anxious thoughts over and over, we're creating those pathways in our brain where our thoughts stay. So when we're meditating on negative thoughts, we are literally training our brain to be anxious. So it's natural for us to think about what could go wrong. That's a natural thought. And prayer is important because prayer is supernatural. Prayer breaks that cycle of, our, of meditating on negative thoughts. Prayer breaks that cycle and sets our eyes on Jesus and says, I'm looking to you, Jesus. I am trusting you. You're like, I don't know what to do. Right. Do you know why? Because you were not designed. You are not God. You were not designed to know what to do in every situation, not designed to carry all of the problems that you're facing. We were designed to bring these things to God in prayer. 1 Peter 5, 7 says it this way. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I love this picture of casting. Like it's just a big fishing net. It's a fishing term where we just throw it out there. Like cast all of it on him. Just cast it on him. Cast, and it's, it's not a sin to fill those things. Just cast it on him. The job, the family, finances, health, whatever it is you're facing, you can cast it on him because he deeply cares for you. So anxiety is not a sin. It's a signal alerting you to pray and also alerting you to pause. It's alerting you to pause. I know a lot of times uh, I can pray. Maybe you do this as well. I pray, give it to God in prayer, and then I'll jump back in and try to manipulate things so I can control it. So when we give it to God, resist the tendency to jump in and just pause. A lot of times our anxiety is a signal that it is time to pause. Let's look how Jehoshaphat handles this. After he prays, so there's this anxiety, he's getting attacked, he prays, and then it says in verse 13, Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. And he said, Listen, all of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. So he's got a word for the king here. He says, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for this great army of this great army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And I truly believe this is a word for our church this morning, that the battle you're facing is not yours, it belongs to God. We've been taught in psychology that there's fight, flight, or freeze. Some of y'all got a triple dose of fight, fight, fight. Most people have fight, flight, 
or freeze, but we'll see here that God has a fourth and better option. It says, tomorrow go down against them. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position. So the word is to face. You can face your problems. You don't have to fight, you don't have to flight, you don't have to flee, but you can face your problems with the confidence knowing that this battle is not yours to fight, but God's to fight on your behalf. It says, you will see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, but the Lord and the Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you. And we're talking about pausing. I personally am an activator. If something's going on and somebody's standing around, I'm like, what are you doing standing there? Do something. Sometimes I feel like I'm not only an activator, but I live like activated, like I live ready. I'm not the kind of mom that my kids just sneak up on in the store. One of them has almost gotten punched in the nose before. Like I'm just not that person. Like I'm always ready to go activated. It's hard for me just to pause and just pause. So feeling anxious, those feelings are coming, hearts racing, those anxious thoughts, pray and pause. It's not the time to make major life decisions. It's not the time to start calling people. Pause and wait for that word from the Lord. Pause and wait for direction from him. It can be hard to pause if you're an activator also, or if you just like to control things. It is hard to pray, to release these things to God, and then to not jump in and control it. So our anxiety is a signal, it's a symptom that it's time to pray and it's time to pause, to wait. And what happens in the meantime? Does the anxiety magically disappear? Is God going to heal you in the moment? He might. He might heal you. There might be supernatural deliverance, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe, maybe the anxiety doesn't immediately go away. But maybe there's guidance that comes in those moments. Maybe it's a Bible verse you find when you pause. Maybe it's you're reaching out to a friend. friend. Maybe you're reaching out to a counselor. What is God going to do to help bring healing to you when you pause? When you can take time to not try to jump in and take control of it, how will God meet you in those moments? What from his word will set you free? What kind of relationship can be cultivated in it? I think sometimes our healing can be instant. I think a lot of times it's a process but I know that our healing always starts with God, is directed by God, comes through God, and we take it to God because he's with us in the process. And so they waited as they got this news that they're gonna be attacked. They prayed and they paused. And then what, do we get to fight now? Is it now time to fight? It's not time to fight, but let's look at what he says. Verse 17, it says, tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat, bowed his head with his face to the ground. I truly believe that when we get in that posture where there's kneeling, there's prayer, that can be a very powerful moment for us to release things to the Lord. It says his face to the ground. It says that all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites, the Kohathites, the Korathites, they stood up to shout at church, Praise the Lord. The third thing that our anxiety is signaling us is that it's time to praise. It's time to pray. It's time to pause. And it's time to praise. I'm not a battle expert. My extent of battle knowledge is secondhand through Landon, who's watched Gladiator 23 times. So I I don't know that I would suggest this as a battle move. I'm not sure that I would send in the the Carrie Job to tell people they're blessed or the Chris Tomlins or the Matt Redmonds or the David Crowders. Like I'm thinking, hey, in my economy, maybe maybe like a Chuck Norris or a a Vin Diesel or The Rock. Like let's send in some, let's send in some power. But God doesn't work the same way we work. He works differently. And he says that he sent them to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. 
a very loud voice. This is actually a military strategy that we see God employ in, in his people over and over again throughout Scripture. The walls of Jericho fell because the worshipers were at the front. I'm thinking if I had a spear or a tambourine, no offense, tambourine lady, but I'm going with the spear. But that's not how God works. God's like, tambourine lady, this is your moment. Tambourine lady's never been so happy in her life. She came ready. Got the tambourine, got the harps, got the lyre. God's, he's ready for battle. Verse 20, it says, They rose early in the morning, and they went out into the wilderness. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood, and he said, Hear me, Judah. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Believe what God is saying to you in his word. Believe what he's saying to you. Believe that there's healing. Believe that there's freedom. Believe that there's victory. And you will be established and you will succeed. It says, and when he had taken counsel with the people, listen to this, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and to praise him in holy attire as they went before the army. Not after. It's easier to praise God once the bodies have hit the floor. But God is sending the worshipers to praise him before the army. He's sending them before. And he tells them to say this. Give thanks to the Lord. You want me to find my battle with thanks? You want me to find my battle with instruments and praise? Okay, God. Yes, this is what he says. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And listen to this. And when they began to sing in praise. This is what happens. This is how good God is. When they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. While they were praising, this is what happened. While they were praising, God rerouted the armies, and they took each other out while they were praising. And it says, they all helped to destroy one another. They all helped to destroy one another while they were praising. How are you going to fight your battles? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pause. I'm going to praise. And this isn't just something we're sharing with you. These are things that we've lived out in that season when I was feeling that, that weight on my chest. I had people around me. I had Landon with me. I had a counselor. And even when people would say, give it to God, it's like there were some things that people could not do for me. There were things that were mine to do. I had to pray, I had to pause, and I had to make a choice to praise. And when I allowed God into that space with me, I made a commitment that I was going to do nothing else to cope with my pain. I was not going to do anything else to cope. I'm not eating ice cream. I'm not doom scrolling. I'm not distracting myself. I'm not shopping. I'm not doing anything else to cope. I'm going to be in the pain. I'm not going to wallow in it, but I'm inviting God into it. And what I discovered in that season was that God was able to go to a place in my soul that only God could go. Only God could meet me there. Only God could bring freedom to me there because I let him into that point of pain. And it came about through prayer, pausing, and praising. I had a minivan at the time. Not a flex. It just keeps me humble. So I got in my minivan. Cranked up some music. And decided this is how I'm going to fight my battle. I may feel like I'm surrounded. But I'm surrounded with him. And what that does is it refocuses my eyes on God. It says I can look at these problems. And they're real. And they're heavy. I don't know what to do. I'm lost. I'm powerless in it. But when my eyes are on God, I know whose victory it is. I know that he cares. I know that he's got an answer. So it doesn't make these things go away, but it focuses where the victory really is. So I feel surrounded, but this is how I'm going to fight my battles. I'm going to praise. And I think it's important for us to know that they praise, they praise in the story before the victory. Because that's the hard part. It's hard to praise when that heaviness feels like it's crushing. What are you going to do, friends, when the anxiety feels debilitating? Can you praise him in those moments? Because that's our challenge today. 
Don't wait until there's healing to praise him. The invitation today is to praise him when the pain is there, to praise him when the anxiety is there, to praise him before the healing, praise him before the freedom, praise him before. Can you, church, praise him before you see a victory? Can you praise him while you're waiting? And while you're praising, have faith that he is fighting your battles for you. And because I told y'all this is my favorite story, I want to share with you the ending because it's the best. Verse 24, when Judah came to the watchtower, he's going up high of the wilderness, they looked towards the armies and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. I love how thorough God is. Like not one little guy ran out of there. Not one little guy was hiding under some bodies and ran away. Like the, it's clear, none escaped. Bodies everywhere. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods and clothing and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoils. It was so much fun. I added the fun. Verse 27. Then they returned with joy. I know some of you need some joy today. I know some of you need some rest today. Are you going to praise them in the pain for the joy to come? We began with praise. Our time together this morning, we began with thanksgiving. Can we maintain that posture towards him before we see the victory? It says, they returned the joy for the Lord made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets and drums and bass guitars and keyboards. Verse 29, it says, and the fear of God, the fear of God. I feel like we need some fear of God in the world around us. Came on all the kingdoms and the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. It was the Lord who fought this battle. I wanna encourage you today that the battle you're facing is not yours, it's the Lord's. And the Lord is going to fight your battle. Your only job is to respond with prayer, Pause and praise. This is how we're going to fight our battles, church. We're going to fight it with prayer. We're going to pause and we're going to praise. How are you going to fight this anxiety? Prayer, pause, and praise. What are you going to do with these mind monsters? They're coming at you. You feel you've got enemies coming on every side of you and the weight can be crushing. How are we going to fight these battles? We're going to pray. We're going to pause. We're going to praise. This is how we're going to fight our battles. And I'm going to be honest, when I'm driving around my minivan and I'm shouting songs off key in the privacy of my van, the heaviness lifts, peace comes, rest comes, the problems don't go away, but my focus changes the weight that I'm carrying. My focus changes the weight that I'm carrying. Church, right now in this moment with whatever you're facing, can you praise him now? Can you praise him now while he's taking care of the bodies? He's going to fight it for you. And I love the way the scripture says this in verse 30. It says, so the whole realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him peace all around. I have been obsessed over the word realm. How many of you would like some peace in your realm, your home, your workplace, your relationships, your school, your friends, your finances, your marriage. Like you need some peace in your realm. And the word says that God gave him rest all around. The invitation today, and prayer partners, y'all can go ahead and come on down. Our invitation is to come pray with somebody today. And when we talk about give it to God, the way we give it to God is through prayer, pause, and praise. It's not mysterious. We don't pull it out of our pockets. We're not dragging a person up here to give to God. We're giving it to God because we're making a choice before we see the victory. Prayer, pause, and praise. This is how we're going to fight our battles. The, the Bible says that our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. So it said, the Bible says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the battle is not yours, but God's. The Lord will be with you. Now, 
I want us to close with this scripture. It's Philippians 4, 6. It's the one that is often, well, at least for me, it felt weaponized against me, like rejoice in the Lord. Let's look at it maybe the way that, that it should be read. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, you don't give thanks for everything, but in the situation, by prayer and petition. This is how we're going to fight. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Do you remember what they told the, the worshipers to do when they were fighting? To give thanks to God. They were told in their, in their worship, in their praise, to give thanks to God. And it's reiterated here thousands of years later in the New Testament. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And when you do that, when you fight with prayer and you bring it to God and, and you praise him with thanksgiving, it says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So church, would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna end our time fighting our battles the way that God intends us to. And in our response time, we have communion. You're welcome to take communion. The way that, the, the only reason we have any kind of victory when we fight these battles is because the blood of Jesus was shed for us and shed for our victory. So we can come confident to face our battles. We don't have to fight. We don't have to flight. We don't have to do any of that. We can face our problems with confidence, knowing that God is fighting for us. And when we praise him and we give him thanks and we bring our problems to the front and we release them in prayer, we know that God is rerouting our enemies. So if you've got something you need to release to the Lord, you can lift your hands this morning and say, God, this is how I'm gonna fight my battles. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pause, and I'm gonna praise. And church, the invitation for our response time is to come down and pray. If you're battling with anxiety, don't wait. You can run down right now. You can come crowd the altar. You can do like Jehoshaphat did where he laid his face on the ground. He's kneeling. Whatever business you need to do with God. Church, this is your moment to fight your battles, to let God fight your battles for you. This is how I'm going to fight. This is how I'm going to fight my battles. I'm going to praise. I'm going to praise God and, and give him thanks. Let's just do that in prayer. If you're comfortable, you can lift your hands. Start to let God know what it is you are thankful for. God, I thank you that you are good. Church, if we're going to fight our battles with praise and thanksgiving, stir up that gift in you. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What is he doing for you? How is he moving in your life? What has he set you free from? What darkness has he called you out of? God, I thank you that I'm not where I was. God, I'm, I think, I'm thankful that my life didn't turn out the way the enemy wanted it to turn out. God, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful that you're a healer. I'm thankful that you set me free. God, I'm thankful that you fight battles on my behalf. God, I'm thankful that you are all good and all knowing and all powerful and that you care for me. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we declare that this is how we're gonna fight our battles. Um, when I feel surrounded, if you feel surrounded and you wanna come get prayer, you can start moving now. You don't have to wait for the band to sing. You can come down now. You come get prayer now. Make us Take a stand in your heart. Take a stand in your mind. This is how I'm gonna fight. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.